0: Hello and welcome to the Learn English Football Podcast with your hosts, Tim and Tom. Hi Tom, how are you? I'm very, very well, thanks Tim. How are you? I'm very well as well. You've got like a football happiness look on your face.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I am loving what's been happening the last week. We are, What's the best word? Engulfed, embedded, submerged in football. A feast of football. Yes, that's right. So I've been watching lots of games. What about you? Uh, I've been watching
0: as many games as my boss will allow me to watch. Mm. Immersed, embedded, ingrained, to be kind of covered in something great. Submerged as Sub-merged well, yes. yes. right. So we're here today to talk about the World Cup. We finished the first round of games. Uh, the World Cup started less than a week ago. It feels like a fast-forward World Cup with four games a day. Um it's just brilliant there are games all the time (laughs) it's almost hard to watch um as many as you want to watch i've been telling everyone i know just presume i'm busy don't ask me to do anything
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes uh, my wife understands that very well luckily she's been very supportive so far but let's see how it goes after another two weeks
0: (laughs) yes exactly
1: um and um
0: I think after one week of football, we've had a pretty good impression of some of the teams. Um, I think going into the tournament, there were there were maybe five or six teams that people thought could win it. I think that's been reduced. And I think um, we've also seen some really weak teams as well. Um, I think maybe teams are finding their natural place. We have a nice expression, cream always rises to the top. And I mm-hmm. think we've uh, we've seen some teams who are rising and distinguishing themselves from the rest. And that's what we're going to look at first, Tom. Which teams have really stood out for you? And when I say to stand out, I mean to to be noticeably better.
1: Great question. Well, obviously, we have to go first to the teams who have scored a lot of goals. So we've got Spain put seven past Costa Rica. We've got England put six past Iran. Uh, However, and also France put four past Australia. However, Costa Rica, Iran, Australia... They're not the strongest contenders. We don't expect them to go uh, all the way in this tournament. So, for me, the standout teams have actually been Saudi Arabia and Brazil. I chose Brazil because they played against Serbia. And you can see that this Serbia team actually have a lot of talent. They have a lot of quality. Not all 11 players, but they have enough quality that they had to push Brazil. But as you mentioned, the cream rose to the top last night. Uh, culminating in Richarlison's spectacular uh, volley, overhead volley. Uh, and for me, that was one of the best teams who impressed me because they were playing against high-quality opposition.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. They made Serbia look quite ordinary, um, and I think that was a real uh, real you know sign of how good they were and Mm -hmm. I fully agree with what you're saying that uh, England and Spain weren't uh, tested to the same extent I liked how Brazil dealt with the pressure Uh, there was a huge amount of pressure coming into this uh, tournament on Brazil I liked the way they were able to change the match in the second half Imagine being able to bring on um, Gabriel Martinelli, Gabriel Jesus, mm-hmm. and other great players. Oh, you're uh, mentioning
1: Arsenal players. Yeah, I am, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting.
0: Richarlison's now got two more goals in this World Cup than he's managed in the Premier League for Tottenham this season. Um, <laughs> but, um, and, and yeah, I thought this Brazil side uh, looked really good, really flexible. And let's not forget, you know, they can change it if it's not going well. They've got enough quality on the bench to bring on, to bring on good quality players in, and change the shape and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. So I was very impressed by them.
1: Yes. The other team I mentioned were Saudi Arabia and the reason is, again, because they played Argentina, the second favourites for the tournament. Not only did they beat them 2-1 with a, a, a stunning second goal, winning goal, but after that moment, which happened early on in the second half, they then defended very, very well. Uh, they were not panicking. They were not Desperate. They weren't launching the ball clear, just hoping to get it out of their box. They controlled the game. You could see that they were very organized.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, as we know from our preview podcast, um, this Saudi Arabia side has been together a long time. The manager's been there a long time. A lot of them play in the local league. Um, So that kind of tactical knowledge and uh, familiarity with their teammates uh, can only come from experience mm-hmm. and you know for all the quality in the world if you're a well-organized side and you know where your, your teammates are going to be at any moment that, that can compensate for a lack of quality and it
1: obviously has. It did, they limited Argentina to you know, half chances really in that second half which for me was was particularly impressive when you're up against players like Lionel Messi and Lautaro Martinez.
0: Yeah, well, um, I couldn't agree more. I was uh, thrilled with the Saudi Arabia result, especially as an England fan. Um, But another team who I'd like to add to the list, and I wasn't going to put this team on the list until today, and that's England, um, because I thought England-Iran was uh, men against boys. But when England, uh, when Iran, sorry, played against Wales today, they looked like a very strong organized, a bit like we were talking about the Saudi Arabia side, a very organized side and hard to break down. So I think we need to maybe reassess how we view the England result and maybe give England a little bit more credit than we were giving them after the result on the day. I mean, to score six goals in the opening game of a World Cup is impressive I think it's the biggest England victory in a World Cup opening game in history um, a lot of our players who uh, we wanted to do well played very well Saka scored two goals Bellingham the player we were all really excited about watching had a fantastic game um, and looked like he belongs at this level um, so I, I think England uh, deserved
1: to be on the list of teams that have stood out as well what do you reckon? I think, yes, uh, in hindsight, after watching that second game today between Iran and Wales, it does show that England, it was men against boys, that they dominated that Iranian side. Now, you could argue that the Iranian goalkeeper had a horrific injury that, uh, that shocked them a little bit. They never really got going in that game. But when you saw the quality that Iran showed against Wales, uh, it makes you think, Ah, perhaps this England team are very, very good. And if you're the United States, it's the opposite. Now you're thinking, "Uh uh-oh, we only drew against Wales and we've got the two stronger teams still to come. Exactly, Uh,
0: exactly, exactly. And also, I think this Spain side... I know Costa Rica were poor, but they got to a World Cup semi-final, a uh, quarter-final, two, no, last 16 in 2014. So, and they do have, you know, they had Kaylor Navas, they had Joel Campbell, they had uh, Brian Ruiz. They do have some household names. Um, so, again, the Spain performance was very good, seven goals. They had a lot of young players playing well. Gavi scored an absolute wonder goal, the youngest scorer at a World Cup since Pele in 1958. Um, So I think the Spain side looks impressive as well. And another side I'd like to comment on, who I thought looked really good. Uh, Okay, they were playing against Qatar, but I thought the Ecuador side looked really tidy. And when I say tidy, I mean, they all had that ability to receive the ball in in, in tight situations. They knew where their teammates were before they were getting the ball. I think that they could cause uh, some bigger teams some problems i'm not saying they're going to win it or get to the semi-final but i think for example a a team like england or spain will have to play well to beat Mm -hmm. ecuador they will beat them if they play well but if they're off their game
1: then i think ecuador can uh, spring an upset Mm -hmm. yes i'd agree with that it's always a pleasure to watch players from your own club go on and do well with their country so it was a joy to watch enna valencia Looking so dangerous For Ecuador He
0: did didn't he He did look really dangerous Mm -hmm. Until the injury And he's now scored I think All six Of Ecuador's uh, Last uh, Goals At a World Cup And if he scores their next goal for Ecuador, he will overtake Eusebio uh, as the person to have scored the most consecutive goals at a World Cup for their country without anyone else scoring a goal. Which is a statistic that I think, uh, if if it puts you in the conversation with Eusebio, then I think that's a good statistic to have.
1: That's not just a good statistic, that's a great statistic that some of our older listeners might appreciate.
0: Yes, yes. (laughs) Right, so Tom, uh, from the teams that have uh, stood out for being good... Uh, have any teams stood out For being bad? Have any teams Let you down? Have you been disappointed Particularly by any of the uh, any of the Teams you've watched so far?
1: Yes, four teams spring to mind Two of them are obvious uh, Germany and Argentina Obviously two of the tournament favourites Who lost their opening Games against perceived Weaker opposition uh, Obviously credit to Japan In that game, but from what I saw It didn't seem like Japan were in control of that game. They were doing a lot of defending, working very, very hard. But for me, it felt like it was Germany's game to lose. And ultimately, they did lose it with a couple of mistakes. Uh, And Argentina, we've already talked about that. Uh, But the the two teams I am going to mention are the United States and Denmark. For me, the United States were disappointing against Wales because they started very, very well. They had a very good first half. But, as is often the case with teams that have quite a lot of young players, you, you probably remember some England performances like this, when you go a goal up, sometimes you don't have the right mentality, the psychology to push on, meaning to push on means to keep progressing, move forward to get the second goal. And as that game progressed, Wales came back into the game more and more until Gareth Bale won the penalty and put, made the scores level. So the United States really disappointed from a mental point of view. They were the superior team, but they didn't stamp their foot on the game, or as you like to say, take the game by the scruff of the neck.
0: Yeah, no, they they didn't, but I wouldn't say I was disappointed by them, because at the same time, OK, they, 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 they let Wales off the hook. They didn't punish them as they should have done. But they were impressive in the first half and I haven't seen the United States side moving the ball as well or as confidently or as tactically intelligently as I have uh, in that first half. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm going to give them the credit that uh, I think they deserve for that first half although I will totally accept that they were much worse in the second half and they'll Mm -hmm. be disappointed with that second half Mm -hmm. and they'll definitely be worried having watched Iran today Um, (laughs) a team I'd like to say was disappointing and it's a bit strange because they did win 2-0 is the Netherlands Mm -hmm. Um, and the Netherlands it's a bit because they, they, they scored very late goals. They scored in the 84th and the, and the 99th minute of the game. Um, uh, they had less shots against Senegal. This Senegal side uh, does have injuries. Um, so I, I was expecting more from this Holland side. Uh, Holland are one of the sides that I always look forward to seeing at a World Cup. But then coming into the World Cup, when you see that Louis van Gaal is their manager, it doesn't make you think that they're going to play total football, attacking football. And unfortunately, uh, my, my fears were proved correct. Um, and yeah, this Netherlands side, OK, they had Frankie de Jong, who looked tidy in the middle of the park. But apart from that, they looked a bit toothless and they looked as if they were willing to just to play boring football. And that, mm-hmm. for a team like Netherlands, disappoints me. Mm-hmm. Um, and another team that really let me down, I think, is Wales. Uh, in their first World Cup since, is it 1958 or 1960? 1958. 1958. so you've got three or four generations of Welsh people who have never seen their team in a World Cup. Today you had the uh, uh, schools letting letting their students watch the match in class. And um, some of their big players have been really disappointing. I mean Gareth Bale, he had two touches in the box against America. One of them was to get fouled and the other one was to take the penalty. So that essentially means in the rest of the game he didn't even touch the box, uh, mm-hmm. touch the ball in the box uh, today against Iran. Uh, they, I heard an interview with them after the match. They were blaming the red card, but the red card was in the 86th minute. Uh, Gareth Bale didn't attempt one dribble past an opponent in 86 minutes before the red card. It was the same with uh, with Aaron Ramsey. Uh, he was unable to get involved. Um, I think they're players who are kind of Hollywood players at times. They're, they they can produce moments of brilliance in a game, but they're not. You know, they're not contributing to passing patterns. They're not contributing to uh, positioning of the ball or game management. And at this level, you can't afford to carry players. And when I say to carry a player, I mean to like excuse their defensive weaknesses or excuse the weaknesses in their physicality or something because they've got one good element. Now, I think with Aaron Ramsey and Bale, I think maybe they don't have the good element anymore and they still don't have that defensive quality. So I think uh, this tournament has just come a year too late for this Wales team and I'm really disappointed with them. I think actually you could argue that Bale could have been better on the bench uh, today uh, because he just did nothing. Uh, And, you know, this is a player who's won five Champions Leagues, who's uh, prided himself by, by... Getting Wales to the tournament almost single-handedly, and to come up, uh, to come up against relatively, no, no, nothing, nothing crazy in terms of quality of the goal, opposition. Let's not forget they've got their hardest match against England in the final match. They've played their two easiest games. They've got zero points, and they haven't even looked like
1: scoring a goal apart from that penalty. Mm-hmm. So I'm really disappointed with Wales. I think that there's another consideration with this Welsh team. You, you absolutely, you're right about. Ramsey and Bale, they're they're not the players they were a few years ago. They didn't uh, take the game. They didn't do what they needed to do. But I think there's a tactical consideration here as well because they were playing a 3-4-3 with wing backs and uh, it meant that they had width on the wings, but they left a lot of space in the middle and in the second half they were getting hurt through the middle with direct Iranian attacks uh, again and again and and you're right the, the goals came very very late in stoppage time but Iran should have put the game to bed they deserved the victory they, yeah they they hit the post twice in in, in 10 seconds yeah. at one point in the second half so i wonder if the coach also takes some blame if a 442 or you know having a single or a double pivot maybe something a bit more defensive and solid in the middle of the park would have been better for that welsh team
0: yeah, I mean, the problem they had in the first half against uh, America was they, they couldn't get the ball out of defence. And I know a 3-5-2 mm-hmm. does make it a lot harder to play out because you don't have those uh, those mm-hmm. people in the middle to offer you the out balls. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, another team that's obviously let me down, um, disappointed, was Argentina. But mm-hmm. I don't want to really go into them too much because I think maybe they had a, an off day. I think uh, the... you know. Crazy things can happen on a football pitch and I'd like to give credit to Saudi Arabia for that result. Obviously though, I mean, Argentina should have won the game but I think there's still time in this tournament for Argentina to come back. Um, they were done a favour in, in, with, with the other results in the, in the group, meaning if they win their last two games they're still in the competition. So I'm not going to Uh, be a brave journalist and write Argentina off quite yet. Mm. I think they've got just enough quality... That's a nice phrasal verb, to write somebody off. To dismiss their possibilities of Mm. success. Yeah, no, I don't want to dismiss their possibilities of success. I'm not going to write them off yet,
1: so I'm going to hold my horses. Mm -hmm. I'm going to wait before I attack. I'm also going to mention that other team that disappointed me, which was Denmark, and this is in part because... Before the tournament, I did tell you that Denmark were my dark horses. You've got an emotional connection to
0: Denmark and Switzerland. You've, you've recommended <laughs> yeah. them both so many times. <laughs>
1: That's right. And again, I like I like groups of players where they know each other very well, where, they, uh, perfor- where every man knows his job and then they really are unified as teams. And I really felt this was the case with the Denmark team at the Euros. And they've got very much the same players at this tournament. So it was disappointing to see that they couldn't break through Tunisia, particularly in the second half. Now, I can forgive them the first half because Tunisia started the game really, really well with some hard tackles on Eriksen and a stadium that seemed to be uh, you know, 90% full of Tunisia fans. So I can see how the extra energy, the excitement will go through the Tunisian players in the first half. But in the second half, I did feel like Denmark lacked that creative spark, which we've seen in the Euros and which we saw in their qualifying campaign, which was very, very successful. So, I'm not going to write them off either, but we do need to see an improvement from Denmark.
0: OK, OK. I wonder if the uh, Danish uh, tourism board is is paying you or something. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. Uh, and then moving on to our final uh, category on uh, this podcast is uh, teams that can feel hard done by. To feel hard done by means to feel that you've received bad luck mm. or something unlucky has happened to you. It
1: could be luck or it could be harsh treatment if you feel you've been treated unfairly. In the context of football, we're talking more about luck or maybe a oh, decision no, referees, of the referees. referees yes, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah.
0: So I think it could definitely uh, include both meanings. Um, and one of the teams that you said were disappointing, I've actually categorised as hard done by, and that's Germany just because I thought, when I watched Germany-Japan with with a Germany uh, supporter, which was fun as an England fan, um, and I actually thought Germany played really well for long spells of the match. I think they dominated the ball, they created lots of chances. Uh, In that first half, there was only one team in the game, uh, and that was Germany. So for them to lose the match wasn't what, you know, if you were to play that match 100 times, Germany win it 90 of them. Uh, They had eight shots on target, uh, 10 shots off target, they had 74% possession, which is the highest possession for any team to have lost a match in the history of World Cups, going back to 1962 or 1958, Opta Stats have, uh, re- have processed all uh, previous World Cup games through their machines, so they've now got uh, stats right back into the 60s, it's fantastic. Anyway, so it was definitely against the run of play. Um and and i and I, you know if you were the t- germany manager you would you'd be thinking the players more or less did what i expected them to do they did what i wanted them to do um, and, and the result was a surprise but the tactics and the style of play were were encouraging so if i were the germany manager i would be i i wouldn't be too disappointed so therefore i, c- I think germany were maybe a little bit unlucky in that game Uh, I don't want to take anything away from Japan, they were fantastic, but I think Germany were a bit unlucky.
1: I'd agree with that, which was the reason why I didn't say Japan were in my list of teams that impressed me, because unless you are going to be very dangerous on the counter-attack, you can't surrender that much possession in the game. Uh, What really happened were a couple of lapses in concentration at the very end of the game. Uh, So if I were Hansi Flick, the German coach, I'd be saying to his players, you did everything right, you just need to keep your focus, keep your discipline until minute 90, particularly if you're playing against a very energetic team like like the Japanese team. Yeah, um, but one team which I do think can definitely
0: feel hard done by, uh, maybe a team that uh, actually have stood out to me on, in spite of the fact that, that they lost, and this is Canada. Uh, I thought Canada-Belgium, they lost 1-0, um, but... They had some really good chances. They missed a penalty for the Alfonso Davies in the first half after after eleven minutes, and I and they looked the better side uh, mm-hmm. for long periods of this game. And I I think if they'd scored that penalty, it would have been a very different game. They also missed some good opportunities. Um, they stopped Belgium's dangerous players looking dangerous, um, and for a team which you know. Uh, they have got two big name players. They've got Jonathan David and Alfonso Davies. But apart from that, they've got a lot of journeymen football players and journeymen, people who make a career out of football, playing at many different clubs. But, you know, they aren't talking stars. About, talking
1: about Junior Hoylet. Yeah, go <laughs>
0: off to the toilets. Um, yes, you know, a lot of our English uh, listeners will remember him at Blackburn Rovers. Was it West Ham as well? Never West Ham, but he's been at Reading for many years. Reading as yeah. well, yes. Um, so, yeah, they have got a lot of journeymen players who managed to play really well on the day. Mm-hmm. And I was impressed by Canada. I think uh, they are the team that I will, they're, they're probably the team I'll support after England, mm-hmm. after the performance I saw from them. I was very impressed.
1: I'd, uh, I agree with you 100% there, that Canada were on my list of teams to feel hard done by for that reason. I thought in that game against Belgium, what was refreshing to see is that they didn't decide to sit back and have a strong shape and play counter-attacking football, they went on the attack. They In the second half, they were pushing right up to the halfway line, playing inside the Belgium territory, which again is can be risky when you've got players like De Bruyne running out who could hurt you, but they were very, very effective. It worked for them Uh, Being bold Being brave And really going for it Was was admirable Because not many teams Will do that Against a team Such as Belgium Yeah I agree I agree Um, And then finally And I think Possibly this
0: has been The most exciting match Of the World Cup So far for me um, And the losers I would definitely say Were hard done by And that was Ghana Uh, Last night Ghana against Portugal Was a really exciting match And I think this Ghana side Can be a can, can feel slightly hard done by. Again, they weren't unlucky. I think they probably did deserve to lose. But I think they can feel hard done by in, in, in terms of the way they played in the first half. I don't think really did justice to the quality they have. In the first half, they were very they were very defensive. Uh, they didn't look like they, they had a way to, to play through uh, out from the back. Um, and they only really started uh, after half-time. Um, and after half-time, of course, they got... Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo got a penalty. It was a very soft penalty, Tom. I don't know if you've seen it, but it was a very soft penalty. I think any other player in the world doesn't get that penalty apart from Cristiano mm-hmm. Ronaldo. And how the referee didn't go and have another look on VAR, I don't know. But then justice was served. Andre Ayew sco- uh, scored in a very passionate celebration. I always love a passionate celebration. But the thing about this Ghana side is they've got quality all over the pitch. Uh, they've got the the Ajax lad on the left who looks really good? Um, his, his name is uh, Kudus. Um, mm. They've got, of course, the Inaki Williams, Andrew Ayu, mm. um, and then they've got Thomas Party in midfield. And I think once they once they started attacking the game and attacking Portugal, they looked really dangerous. And I think they can cause problems for some teams mm. in this World Cup.
1: I absolutely agree, uh, Andrew Ayu was still celebrating his equaliser when Portugal scored their second goal to go 2-1 up and I think you could argue they they'd feel hard done by but equally you could argue that it was a lapse of concentration this is often this is a world cup where we're seeing how some teams are able to keep their emotions under control better than others and when you've just scored a goal is when you're psychologically the most vulnerable so this is perhaps where you'll see uh, teams who were not used to such a big stage could uh, make these mistakes, as you felt like Ghana did. They just they they scored the goal. They were over the moon. They were so excited. Uh, they brought on two substitutes, and they were a little bit disorganised just for a few seconds. But that cost them badly. So, but I agree that with that chance from Iñaki Williams at the end, they should feel very very hard done by. He did everything right there. Uh, the Portuguese goalkeeper made a terrible mistake. As we say he had a howler but he got away with it, didn't he? Diogo
0: Costa, yes. (laughs) Uh, It was funny actually, I was listening to uh, commentary after the match, and uh, the comment the pundit on the BBC was Dion Dublin.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, Dion Dublin uh, did exactly the same thing against I think it was Aston Villa with Shay Given in mm-hmm. goal in the late 90s and uh, scored the goal. And mm-hmm. uh, it was it was very funny because Dion Dublin was saying, Oh, he shouldn't have slipped over, he had more time than he realized. And it was uh-huh. funny to have the one pundit in the world who's actually had that moment of stealing the ball from the goalkeeper. Uh, yeah, exciting stuff.
1: Yes, I, I have to say, as well uh, it was after the game if you look at Diogo Costa's face he had a face like a smacked bottom I mean like he was a face like thunder very very miserable you would think that Portugal had just lost the game he felt so bad about that mistake yeah
0: I'm sure he had I'm sure he went cold last night when he was thinking about (laughs) that Tom any
1: other teams that you think can feel hard done by absolutely yes I I felt you you talked about Cristiano Ronaldo's penalty yesterday I felt like Qatar today had a penalty to go 1-0 up in the game that was a lot more blatant than Cristiano's that wasn't given and there was no VAR decision. In the end they can't feel too hard done by because they lost the game 3-1. If they'd lost the game 2-1 then they would really have something to complain about. Well who
0: knows I mean with all the Qatar fans going home early who's to say that the VAR hadn't gone home early? Mm
1: -hmm, Yes and the other one was actually the team that played against Qatar I felt Senegal could have felt, should have felt hard done by after their game against the Netherlands. I agree with your analysis that the Netherlands weren't really dominant. Senegal had the better of the play, better territory, better possession, equally, if not better chances than, than the Netherlands to score, until very late on. Just one beautiful cross from Frankie de Jong, perfectly timed header from Gakko, is he called? Gakpo. Gakpo, thank you. Uh, And then, really, the game was dead. So I felt like Senegal should have felt hard done by, but they got their revenge today.
0: Good, good. So, Tom, that's the end of the first round of football. We've got another round of World Cup games coming up today. We've got England this evening. I know we're all excited uh, and we'll be producing lots of new podcasts coming out soon. Uh, Tom, uh, our listeners, where how can they get involved in the, in the conversation?
1: Mm-hmm. They can find us on social media or on Facebook and uh, our TikTok platform and our YouTube platforms are growing as well. So come and find us there. We're putting videos up leave a comment we'll reply to you so and also one more thing if you like what we're doing please share us with some friends if you think there's someone else who who might be interested might enjoy our conversations about football but also teaching you english as well good good thank you very much tom come on england come on england (laughs)